So we continue our worship series uh, this morning on the uh, on Paul's letter to the Colossae Church, Colossians four, uh, verses two to six is what we'll be reading, and uh, in a couple weeks we'll be finishing off with uh, the latter part of that chapter as well. So I invite you to turn to Colossians four two through six. Before we read from God's word, let's come to God in prayer. Lord God, teach us, feed us, use us, so that we may teach, feed, and be used by you in in partnering with you for your kingdom growth. So through your word this morning, Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us as we're reading from the book of Colossians, and speak to us what what it is that you want us to hear in this place, at this time, in this moment, and what we are called to go out with into our communities, into our families, into our neighborhoods. So bless the reading and the proclamation of your word and open our hearts and our minds to what all that you are speaking to us at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, Two, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Jesus Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thanks be to God for his word. Over this past week, uh, I had the opportunity to represent our classes, a region of churches, and our denomination at our annual meeting of Synod of the Christian Reformed Church of North America. And at the Synod meeting, uh, we saw much diversity of people and personalities and ideas. And the way that Synod is organized is that we get together as a big group of about 200 delegates from all over North America to discuss things that impact the local church and the local classes. But before discussing at the large group level, we get together for a couple of days in smaller settings of advisory committees to discuss issues and challenges and changes in our denomination. One such weighty issue before our advisory committee, it went to a vote. And the vote resulted in 10 in favor of making a certain change and 10 against. The chairperson was required to break the tie. And she did. The motion, the the decision was voted down. Which means that not all the times do we agree on things. But it also means that we had to go back to the drawing board. And we did. We came up with another recommendation, which everyone on our advisory committee then voted unanimously in favor. You see, I think often that we have the same goals in mind, even though we may arrive at those goals differently. As we got to the larger group session of Synod, there were times that, yes, a majority voted in favor of a certain decision, But there was also at times a minority that did not agree. Not all decisions are unanimous. 
In some situations, there was disagreement and discussion for a couple of hours on some issues. And this, this disagreement reinforced the fact that we are living in a diverse world. And things in this world continue to change rapidly. And this impacts how the local church does ministry in its context. How we do church, the decisions we make in church, how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis, it changes. We're constantly in a state of transition or reformation, if you will. And if we weren't, we wouldn't need to meet on an annual basis at our synod meetings. And even in this state of change, we are called to maintain, and I think we do, we maintain the same goals. That's unity. And this transitioning culture in church was evident among the Colossians as well. And Paul was aware of it. He's aware that society is constantly in transition. That the world is not static. And because of that, the church is not static. We know that. We profess that. We live that out in our denomination. We are a Christian Reformed denomination. A product of the Reformation where the church had a major transition 500 years ago. And continues to reform in accordance with God's Word. But as we go on, we also need to profess and affirm one more thing. That despite sometimes disagreements, and we saw that at Synod 2018 as well, and and we see that in our local churches among us as well. Despite disagreements, what unifies God's people is that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not change. God's living word remains unchangeable. The story of God's faithfulness and his amazing grace through Jesus Christ has and will remain the same. The power of the gospel and the message of the gospel that was proclaimed by Paul is still the same message and equally powerful today. Praise God. The church will be in a state of transition and how the message of the gospel is lived out will evolve. But the gospel message will not change. And as we've been going through this book of Colossians, Paul has proclaimed that nothing needs to be added or taken away from the message of the cross, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. You can read that again in Colossians 1, 15-20. And yet, in this part of the letter, to the church in Colossae and other churches... That although the message of the cross does not change, Paul acknowledges and that perhaps we can't always do things the same. And he begins by saying that we need to devote ourselves to prayer. But the prayer that he's referring to in this part of the letter is a little more specific. He says, devote yourselves to prayer for a purpose. Let me read that again. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. You see, Paul is encouraging people to pray. To pray for missional opportunities. 
And what worked yesterday may not work the same today. And what works for me may not necessarily work for you. So pray for open doors. Pray for opportunities. For Paul, for ourselves, for one another. Pray that the never-changing gospel message can be proclaimed to those who need to hear it. So let's look at this command to devote ourselves to prayer. Missions. The gospel message starts with prayer. In fact, prayer and outreach go hand in hand. You know, we often think about prayer going with eating and, well, Lord, bless this food. Or or prayer and worship, Lord, bless this service. And they do go together. But prayer and outreach are so interconnected. Lord, bless your work. Lord, teach me. Speak to me. Feed me. Lord, use me so I can teach, speak others to others. Our prayers are to be that open door, that an open door will open for the gospel message. So devote yourself to prayer. And that can be translated as pray continually. Pray persistently. Don't just simply pray sporadically, but pray constantly. Pray over and over again for a purpose. For the lost. We don't just pray when we feel like it. We need to pray always. Paul in this part of the letter is saying, don't just also pray for anything that's going to bring you per- bring personal advantage to you. Yes, I mean in other parts of scripture it says, yes, pray for healing. Pray for healing for yourself. Pray for healing for others. But don't only pray for that. And here it's saying, don't pray for that. But pray for the kingdom growth. And in prayer, be watchful and thankful. Be watchful because the devil is lurking around. And when you enter into a conversation with Jesus, and you are in line with his will, praying for open doors, the devil's going to try to attack. Because you're a threat to Satan. When you are praying for open doors, the devil is going to want to close those doors, and so you can count on obstacles. So be watchful. But don't only be watchful for the obstacles and for evil. Be watchful for God doing more than we can ask or imagine. With his power that's at work in us and in the church. Be watchful for this. And so also, as Paul says, be thankful. And that's important because sometimes it might get somewhat discouraging when you're praying for people and it feels maybe like that God is ignoring you or that the devil has slammed doors over and over again. But don't get discouraged. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep focused on looking for those open doors and again, giving God thanks for God's desire to include us in his missional partnership. Because what an honor, what a privilege, what a responsibility it is. Thank you, Jesus. Paul is in chains. He's in prison. And he's not praying in this part for his own freedom or for his prison doors to fly open. Although that did happen at times. But he's praying for other people's freedom. He's praying for open doors for the gospel message to be heard. That people will be freed from the chains of slavery. 
And what is that gospel message that Paul wants to proclaim clearly? Well, the never-changing message from God's Word, I think it can be summarized well in uh, our Reformed Confession, one of the Heidelberg Catechism question and answers. And it's pretty much right in the beginning of the Catechism. Question and answer two asks, What do I need? What do others need? To know and understand that I belong in body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to know, first, that we're sinners. We need to know that we are freed from our sin. And we need to know that God desires us to respond in thankfulness to this. Now, for those who like easy methods of trying to remember this, as many kids are taught and we're being taught again, this has been taught to us as sin, salvation, service. Or maybe the three G's instead of the three S's, the three G's. Guilt, grace, gratitude. Being of knowledge that I'm guilty of sin. But out of God's grace through Jesus Christ, He removes all my guilt. That's the grace of salvation. I've been acquitted. And out of gratitude, I praise Jesus. I live a life of service for Him. So devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Verse 5, Paul continues his, this theme by stating, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be wise to outsiders. Now, if Paul is talking about outsiders, he's also referring to insiders. Now, we don't necessarily use that sort of language today where we talk about us and them or insiders and outsiders, but for the purpose of this passage, we will. When the doors open, guess who's going to be walking through those doors? Don't expect the outsiders to come excitedly through those open doors. No. The outsiders are not walking through the doors. The insiders are walking through the doors. And we are called, we are commanded to make most, the most of all our opportunities. Be wise in the way you act. It's not putting on a show so that believers will be attracted to Jesus. Because that's being a hypocrite. It's acting the way that Jesus expects us to act towards others. And if that means we, you need to tweak your life, then tweak your life. And we all need constant tweaking. In Scripture, we have the great command to love God and to love our neighbor. And our actions and our behavior will lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our actions will also turn people away from a relationship with Christ. So as Paul says, be wise in the way you act. And we're to make the most of every opportunity. Now the word here, the Greek word for opportunity here is keros. Uh, Keros, meaning an opportune time. And this sort of time, it's not like saying, okay, it's 1040 right now. That, that's a chronological time. But this sort of time, it's not measured in days or months or even hours, minutes or seconds. This time, it's not chronological. It's not quantitative. 
This time is qualitative. It's quality. It's what do you do with the time that you've been given. The time that you have been graced with by God. We need to make every moment of our life matter. Make the most of every opportunity is doing the will of the Lord. Taking notice of those open doors and walking through those open doors. Now, if you're anything like me, probably not. <laughs> I'm often on a mission, doing just getting things done, going where I need to go. And sometimes I could go to Tim Hortons, get my coffee, and not realize that there's a whole group of people sitting around a table that I know. That it's so easy for me to miss those Kairos moments. And I have to remind myself to build in those margins into my life. To be intentional. To slow down and look around. Look around at God's creation, but also look around for His people. That God is opening doors and creating opportunities for us. So our actions are important. And we need to intentionally build those margins into our lives. But our actions are important and so are our words. You know, we, if you think that you can only live out that familiar tune, you know, the song we sing, and they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Well, you're, you're right. We, we, of course, have to live out that tune. Scripture calls us to. But if you're only going by living out actions and only showing the gospel by your actions, I think you have to be willing to act better than Paul and better than Jesus. Because both Paul and Jesus lived by actions and words. You know, as Christians, we talk about two kinds of revelation. We talk about general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is God revealing himself generally to us throughout all creation. As we see the beauty around us, we see that, yes, God is visible. And guess what? We're part of that creation. His people are part of that creation. And so God will reveal himself to others through us. Again, we are part of the general revelation. But general revelation is not enough. Just seeing God's creation at work, just seeing his people at work, it's not enough. Because we also need that special revelation. We need the special revelation, which is Jesus Christ, which Jesus is the word, the living word. We have his word, the scriptures. People will see something that makes a difference in our lives, but they need to hear that something, who that someone is that makes a difference in our life. They need to hear the life-saving grace of Jesus Christ. They need to hear the special revelation through Christ. So Paul instructs us on how to use our words as well. Be always full of grace when speaking. So yes, we have to speak too. And I think that's going to then send a lot of us out of our comfort zones, which sends us right back to that first phrase that Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. If we are witnesses and we're called to speak, we need prayer. And we're called to be witnesses of Jesus, again, through our actions, but also through the words that we speak. We're called to be witnesses to the gospel message. And again, what is that gospel story? We're sinners. We've fallen short. 
But Christ has taken that sin upon him at the cross. And we're called to be thankful. We are living witnesses to the living spirit of Jesus in us and Christ will come again to make all things new. And as witnesses, I mean, we often hear that term, witness, in a court of law. But as witnesses, we're called to tell the truth. And often witnesses are most credible when they live a life of integrity. I mean, we've seen many shows, maybe you've been in courtrooms, where the lawyer will try to discredit the witness by bringing up some past lack of integrity in their life. How they may not have acted properly, and then they discredit everything that the person says. So we need to have integrity. And that goes back to our actions. We're called to live the truth. And we're called to the truth. And keep in mind that our conversations need to be full of grace. We're to be witnesses to the love of Jesus Christ. We're not the district attorney prosecuting people for their wrongdoing. We are the witnesses of Jesus' grace, His love, and His mercy. So our speech, as Paul says, is to be seasoned with salt. I kind of like the meaning behind this phrase. Season with salt. This phrase is referred to as be witty, be amusing, be clever, have humorous speech. It's not about joking around all the time. But I think the best way to describe this is just be yourself. When you are guided by God and have devoted yourself to prayer, just be yourself. Be the person that God called you to be and act and speak in accordance with God's will using your own personality, using your own strengths and not being afraid of your own weaknesses showing through. So people, let the gospel words be lived out in each of our lives. And let these gospel words be spoken in our lives to others. And let's pray for God to open doors of opportunity for each of us. So devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversations be always full of grace. Season with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. Before we enter into a time of prayer response, I want to close off with these words from our contemporary testimony, Our World Belongs to God. I decided on using this a little too late to get it onto the screen, so we're not all going to read it. I'll, I'll read it out loud on our behalf, and you might wonder, why, why don't we turn to the back of our Psalter hymnals then to look at the article? Well, our Psalter hymnals are from 1987, and the testimony gets updated, so this article that I'm reading is actually not in the hymnal. But it's Article 41 of Our World Belongs to God. And we read there, Joining the mission of God, the church is sent with the gospel of the kingdom to call everyone to know and follow Christ and to proclaim, 
To proclaim to all the assurance that in the name of Jesus there is forgiveness of sin and new life for all who repent and believe. Goes on to say that the Spirit calls all members to embrace God's mission in their neighborhoods and in the world. To feed the hungry, to bring water to the thirsty, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick and to free the prisoner. And we repent of leaving this work to a few. For this mission is central to our being. Let's pray. Father God, Almighty God, God of missions and sending God who sent your Son and sends us out to the harvest field. Lord, you hurt and we hurt and your church hurts because there are family, friends and members who are not here. There are those who have made a decision not to follow you and to be part of the body of Christ. And Lord, you know each of these people by name. And we pray that you will work in them to bring them back into a relationship with you. May your spirit create a desire in their hearts that will lead them back to your church. And we also pray for those living in this community, in our neighborhoods, who have not heard the truth of the gospel. And we pray for our families, our friends, our neighbors. And we bring their specific names before you. And asking you to open doors for us to walk through. And so we just take a moment and do this in a time of silent prayer. Lord, open doors, open opportunities where we can be a witness of your love and grace by our actions, and where we can speak that we are followers through words of wisdom and grace. And we don't go on our own. We go with your spirit guiding and directing us. We go with your spirit empowering us to do your will. And may we not resist your spirit and your will. Send us out into your world. Hear our prayer. May we be devoted to prayer in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen.